listen closely. That's not just paint rolling on a wall. It's artistry. A master painter carefully applying Benjamin Moore Regal Select eggshell with deftly executed strokes. The roller, lightly cradled in his hands, applying just the right amount of paint. Mm, it's like hearing poetry in motion. Benjamin Moore, see the love. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hello and welcome to episode 170 of What Most People Think and we have, we have a new Prime Minister, Rishi, Rishi's in, isn't he, little Rishi, the grown-up in the room, the grown-up, the grown-ups are in the room, the grown-up, the grown-ups are in the room, at number 10 the grown-ups are in the well I really feel like the grown-ups, did you hear that word, getting floated around everywhere, have they got their own WhatsApp group, you know, the, the journos, they go, what's the word of the week, defenestrate, the grown-ups, yeah let's go with the grown-ups. Um, so they're happy. They've got somebody that, that sort of uh, reminds them of them a bit more. Now we've got Starmer and Sunak. You know, you can see that he's clearly going to get an easier ride from the press, isn't he, Sunak? He is. And look, let's let's comment on and welcome the fact that it's a historic thing. Rishi Sunak being an Asian man of Asian heritage who's the Prime Minister. That is, However the fuck it's happened, that is a big deal. And I think any left-wing people trying to piss on it, it just seems churlish doesn't it? It seems a bit churlish. People go, well, yeah, but he's not really Asian. What are you implying, man? Are you, are you trying to assert like that wealth is like a white thing? I think that is exactly what racists used to say. But anyway, we will obviously be speaking about that. But we have a guest back this week for a short, sharp burst of positivity and good advice. It's Matt Marnie. A lot of you have enjoyed Matt's appearances for, on the show before. Matt and I are good friends. Matt works in a kind of like wellness. He's a PT, a personal instructor. He does Pilates. He does all this sort of stuff. And um, we were WhatsApping about, you know, the news and the difficulty that anyone would have at the moment keeping focus and attention on anything. So Matt has got some really interesting things to say about that and uh, how you can be more present, you know, be more present in the moment. Maybe the moment's boring. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Maybe that's why phones became so popular is we all went, the moment is shit. But uh, you can't deny there are sometimes when your brain does feel a bit exhausted. So Matt will have lots of uh, interesting things to say about that. Um, last week, I was, uh, last weekend, I was in Dublin. I was in Dublin. I, I, I can't get my accent right for Dublin. You always have to, you always have to get it back to saying the name of the River Liffey. Though I'd a bank, sir, the Liffey. I'll be there in a jiffy. This is racially insensitive, but I um yeah I was in Dublin. I did a couple of club gigs there, and uh, at the, the 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 laughter lounge in Dublin, which is a great club. If you live out there, uh, do go and check it out. I was on with some great comics, and one thing I noticed is like if you think about Dublin, London, the great cities of Europe, uh, the Dublin crowd weren't quite as sensitive as London crowd. Put it that way, <laughs> you know. They're kind of, because, you know, with being Irish, you can say stuff and it all seems kind of cheeky. Do you know what I mean? You know, you can say things. Hey, you're a man there. You're a man. And 
as long as you say you're a man there in front of something, you can then say anything afterwards. So I, I certainly was a bit envious in a way of the Irish comics, of the, the natural style of the Irish accent. I, I certainly think allowed them to get away with a bit more. I mean, when you look like me, when you look like the next thing that's about to come out of your mouth is always not far away from England. <laughs> it's a bit of a, a trickier tightrope, tightrope to walk. Um, I did go out. Whenever I'm in, in great European cities, I always try and find out if there's any dance music events on Sad Bastard that I am. And uh, there was a Ukrainian techno night on. <laughs> I mean, and so I was like, I've got to go and see what the fuck this is. And it's just so weird that if you're into dance music, the scene in other cities compared to London is just so different. There's a lot more low-key events. So I saw the address for this place, and I thought, that's weird. It looks like there's a pub there. It was a pub. It was Ukrainian techno just in a pub. So I walked in there, and there was just boozers sitting there having like a kind of Saturday night. And there just happened to be Ukrainian techno on. So it was probably like 140 beats per minute. And um, I sat there and I just, you know, like when, you, when you're out on your own, and I, I'd recommend everybody try it, it can be quite liberating, but there'll always be a moment where you go to get another drink and you go, this is just sad. This is a bit sad. Go back to your hotel, Jeff. So I did eventually and got an early flight um, back to Luton. <laughs> Fucking Luton Airport. Actually, can we do an early fuck you? Let's get out of the way. Luton Airport. Just, is it ever not shit? I don't know what it is. Is it... It's just like, you go to Heathrow Terminal 5, it's like, do you remember that Eric Cantona advert, the original one for a Eurostar? Space to breathe, space to think. Luton Airport is the opposite. It's just fucking pe- people staring at me. Security looking at me like I'm a terrorist. <laughs> it's a tense place, Luton Airport. So we have uh, a new board member, a new board member. We've got another lady in the board. So gentlemen, please, please tone it down. We've got Lorna Winter. Welcome to the board, Lorna. And uh, I'm sure Karen will get you a drink. Or maybe we need now, we need a male PA. You know, the boardroom's getting full. It is 2022. Uh, so we, we need a, a kid. What, what would be some some young per- Caleb. Caleb's going to get you. What would you like, Lorna? Would you like a, a cucumber or oh, a whiskey? Well, there you go. Hey, Lorna's one of the lads. So welcome uh, to the board, Lorna, and watch uh, your messages for the unique and uh, watch your messages for the, the special benefits of uh, being in the board. By the way, this week, I know it's coming late this month, but uh, the Patreon-only episode will be with you Friday. And remember that all VIPs can have a guaranteed question included in that. So before we catch up on the politics, I was on Robert Peston on, was it, Monday night? What are we, Tuesday now? It was Monday night, and uh, the producer got in touch, and they uh, they really wanted me to come on, and I did. Uh, and so in, in the end, we did it over Zoom. I haven't done any interviews over Zoom for a long time. I'd forgotten. Maybe this is the fuck you for, for this week. Maybe I've got two fuck yous, actually. But this one is trying to look at a tiny pin-sized camera and talk with engagement and make yourself seem interesting i cannot describe to you how weird it is because i agreed to this uh peston thing last minute and i thought oh, i've got to do it downstairs i can't keep the rest of the house up the show is on quite late and and so like my, my wife my son went to bed the whole house was asleep and i was just sitting <laughs> sitting in my fucking lounge uh with a laptop just waiting to speak to robert peston and the way the only way i could make it look like i was making eye contact with him was by bringing the little screen with his face on right up to near where the camera is at the top of the screen. So I had a, I had a little two-centimetre high <laughs> Robert Peston I was looking at. It freaked me out. I won't lie. I won't lie. But uh, look, I think I, I said a couple of points. You know what it's like on these politics shows. But you always want to try and, you know, you're a comic. You want to try and be a bit humorous. I tell you, it is fucking difficult sitting in your kitchen 
at quarter to midnight <laughs> looking at a two centimetre size uh, Robert Peston. So let me know, let me know if anyone um, caught that. The other fuck you is being ill in middle age. I mean, it just, it's just relentless, isn't it? I feel like my body is going off like fruit in a bowl. There's just, there's never, no, there's never nothing wrong now. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like British politics where something is in fucking like, is in dire need of a t- whether it's the trains on strike, whether it's the fucking, you know, economy, COVID, rolling out the boosters. My body is now like the UK political state. It is, it's, unsol- it's an unsolvable mess. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of frustrating because my son, he's, he's, he's six and a half and he'll just get, he'll get a bug. And you go, oh, he's looking peaky. He's looking peaky. Oh, look, he's broke. Oh, he's ill. Oh, he's fine again. Oh, he's fine again. Brilliant. Okay. Me, I, I'm still on the one I had at the end of August. That I don't think I've got over that yet. I'm still I'm still on COVID fucking fourteen here. I've never understood, right? Like you have so many aches and pains in middle age. I just why don't Neurofin just I think I might have said this before, but just announce themselves as the proud sponsors of middle age. That's what I would say if I was them. You don't even have to fucking pay anybody. Right? That is genius advertising. Neurofin. I mean, does anybody I mean this is a bad thing to me, but anyone else just have like a precautionary neurofin? <laughs> I mean, you just see one out there, you go, yeah, I'll boss a couple of those, you know what I mean? Look, I'm 45, it's probably, uh, probably need it somewhere in my body. Okay, so before we get chatting with Matt, let's just have a catch-up. Well, I mean, we had a bonus episode on Friday, so, but it feels, again, that feels like a universe ago since uh, Liz Truss resigned. So let's talk about everything that's happened since Friday. So when I left here Friday, the story was just breaking that Boris is um, Boris is back in the mix. You know, is what was odd was it was the same media that had uh, that had been so instrumental in getting him out. Now I'm not saying that the stories weren't there, but let's be honest, they <laughs> they were pleased to see the back of him. But but all of a sudden, the same places were sort of helping courier the idea that Boris could come back. You could just tell that they were just fascinated by the wrongness of it. All. Oh my god! Oh my god! Boris is coming back. Because, you know, I guess it's something to talk about, isn't it? And uh, there was a lot of talk uh, for a while about, well, has he got the names? Has he got the names? Someone else has come out. Oh, he's got the names. Don't worry about it. He's got the names. They're just not saying. I mean, that, in a way, tells its own story. It is so funny. It must be so funny being a Tory MP in the midst of a leadership race whereby, how do you explain to somebody that you support them, but you don't want to admit it? <laughs> it's the same last week with uh, poor old Graham Brady. Having to go round everywhere and go round and go, yeah, you know, it's not looking too good in the trenches, Liz. <laughs> and what's the diplomacy of going, look, I think you would be an amazing Prime Minister. I just don't want to let anybody else know that I think that for now. There you go. And it's nothing to do with playing my cards close to my chest because of Rishi. I just, I just, you know, it's just, I'm busy. I'm busy. Can we do it by Zoom? I just, and old Ben Wallace was, uh, I don't, who did Ben Wallace come out for? Did he come out for somebody and then just say that this is not the right time for me to come out in favour of anybody? I just, just I, in respect to my family, I must uh, withdraw from coming out for anybody. Um, I said on, uh, I said on Twitter, so Boris eventually pulled out on, was it Monday morning? So late Sunday night, Monday morning. And and his and his uh, his reasoning did sound a little bit like Jay from the Inbetweeners, didn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely definitely got hundred hundred uh, names. Yeah, I will de- definitely shagged her. I was fucking gagging for it, wasn't she? She's gagging. Oh yeah, so could have been prime minister. But what can I do? What can I do? They're just jealous. They're just jealous of the Boris thing. So uh, yeah, I'm backing out. I'm backing out. I just think it. I think it was um, incredible that that he was ever 
um, in the mix. I, I, I don't understand what he personally would have got out of becoming prime minister again. I, th- I think, I've, I mean, because he couldn't have governed as he'd have liked. He couldn't have had the cabinet that he wanted. He couldn't have pledged to spending. He would almost certainly have lost the next election. That's just none of the stuff that Boris got into it for, is it? I think he was just, I think he, what happened when he was on holiday, and you know that bit halfway through a holiday where you finally recover a bit of your energy, but that's actually just the start of feeling better, and you should stick with it. But he recovered a bit of energy, he's just sitting there, I reckon he'd have had like a 11am mimosa on the beach with Carrie, and he's just like, it's my time. And she's like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, no, it's my time. Get booked book the flight, he, he did it all like really quickly. And I wonder if it was one of those ones where... You know, like this can sometimes happen with clubbing. You know, you're a, you're away on holiday. Let's go club. Let's go club. Let's go club. Yeah, yeah. Let's do the clubbing, and then halfway in the taxi, there people are going. I'm not sure this is good. <laughs> it was a long flight, wasn't it? To think about a flight in which he apparently got booed getting on. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he got booed because he just took ages putting his uh, bag in the the, fit, the bit overhead. Why do people? I've been flying a bit more recently. Why do people take so long doing that? I just, I just don't understand. Why do they feel like they have to, before they can step aside and let the rest of the plane board, they have to make sure that every... It's like those women at cash points, right? That stand in front of the cash point until they've basically redecorated the inside of their fucking handbag. <laughs> yeah, so Boris was out. Boris was out. And Penny Morden... And from, that point, um, from that point, it never looked like um, Penny Morden would, would get over the line she was saying she had the numbers they've always got the numbers and I think man, I like her a lot Penny Morden I think she's got a great story in how she um, stepped in to support her family at a young age you know she does come from a working class background I mean she comes from Portsmouth everything in Portsmouth is working class There's no, there is no Portsmouth middle class if to people that have been there would understand but maybe another time for her and then Sunak um, comes back in and immediately so I'm, I'm doing this uh, yeah, I'm not, I haven't kept up. This is uh, this is Tuesday evening. I haven't kept up with the the reshuffle completely, but I'm guessing that it's going to be hunt. Yeah, hunts involved. I'm guessing it's going to be some of the grown up, the grown ups in the grown ups in the room are back, and and he will get better treatment from the media because maybe Grant Shapps will be in the mix. And Grant Shapps is a very different proposition. If you're like Robert Peston, and you know Suella Braverman's coming on, you're like fucking. It's Grant Shabs. He's like, yeah, I disagree with Grant, but you know, we're the kind of guys we could go for a pint together. And uh, you know, Jerry Hunt. Yeah, I disagree with Jeremy Hunt, but we're, kind of, you know, the kind of guys that could just strike up a conversation at a middle class barbecue. So, um, so I think that he will get better coverage Sunak, and I think that the Tory polling will improve a bit. Who knows though? Difficult to predict. But one thing that is true is that for the first time in my life, um, a younger person than me is running the country. So. It's both historic in, in, in a fascinating and, 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 you know, in a good way. We have a British Asian man as Prime Minister. Like I always said, that's a great move to get in Labour's face, isn't it? If you were just looking at trolling Labour, <laughs> it have some of that diversity party. Oh, what have we gone? What have we gone? We've gone, oh, since Thatcher, the Tories have gone, woman, man, woman, man, woman, brown, man. So what have you got, Labour? Because you've got man, 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 all white, all middle class, all roughly from the same fucking postcode. So, you know, it's true that Labour have got a more diverse pool of MPs, but they've just got to ask themselves this question. Why it is so hard for people of colour to rise to the very top positions in their party? Why is that? And why even in the back end of new Labour, coming up to two, 2010, was there still not much progress in that area? Because 
I mean, that's the thing is, you look at like the back end of New York Labour, you go, well, it's the late noise. We're, we're not talking about the 50s here. And yeah, we've got a millennial. We've got a millennial running the country. So we can blame a different generation. These fucking millennials. Eh? Fucking millennials. Look at him, little risk-averse millennial. <laughs> he looks quite a millennial, doesn't he? I mean, it was a bit harsh, all this talk about the grown-ups in the room when we've got the shortest geezer ever, I think, that, that has been Prime Minister. I mean, the grown-ups are back in the room, except this grown-up looks about the size of a Furby. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, they, immediately we've got them recycling all these clips of uh, Rishi. Am I allowed to call him just by first-name terms, or is that is that part of fascism or something now? Do you remember that with Boris? Like, Stop calling him by his first name! Oh, yeah, that that's why... I don't know what there is actually a precedent for calling an Asian man just by his first name rather than surname. Anyone who knows their cricket would tell you that. And so they're trying to recycle some stuff from the summer, one of which was what he said about working class. You know, oh, I don't have any working class friends. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't a good moment for him. Uh, but, you know, if, if we're anti kind of cancel culture and offence archaeology, he was fucking... 18? I mean, the curtains were a giveaway, weren't they? I don't mean his parents' curtains, but the curtains on his head. And, you know, yeah, he is an incredibly privileged man. He went to Winchester College, but it's not like his parents came from money, so they were sort of self-made, as was he. It's not straightforward, you know, like his story, the fact that he's done all right for himself plays both ways. And as I said back in the summer, I just don't think people say, well, you know, he's rich, so how would he know how to run things on a budget? That You can't say that, because then that runs the other way of going, well... You know, that person comes from a poor background. What the fuck do they know about big business? You can't, you can't, I just, I just want competence um, at this point. And, but his wealth, it does matter to people. Like, you can guarantee that in the offices of the mirror, right? In the mirror, <laughs> the editor would be going, right, how much do his cufflinks cost? How much do Rishi Sunak's cufflinks cost? Does he go for that slightly more expensive coffee unnecessarily? Have we got any footage of Rishi Sunak filling up with super unleaded when all the normal unleaded pumps were free? Because we all know that is extreme privilege. Because it's threatening for them, isn't it? It's threatening that he is uh, he's uh, an Asian, British Asian. And so we have, and he goes out and he does his, his first speech on, well, I think on Sky, wasn't the greatest it's a bit odd. He looked a bit overwhelmed by the day. And I can totally understand that happening, right? You've spent like several days just scrabbling around, just trying to get people to vote for you. And then suddenly you've got to go, you go, what, what his eyes said to me in that first short briefing that he gave. Well, fuck me, I'm prime minister. Fucking hell. Fuck. You've got to have a little bit of remorse at that point. You just go, I've got, I've got 730 million quid. I why am I doing this again? <laughs> I bet his wife had to give him a little pep talk. No, this is what you're born for, Rishi. Uh, yeah, but we could, can we just be like, can we just be like in fucking Miami right now? Just large. I mean, I'm still 42. I, can we not? Why? Can you just, <laughs> if he had a real wobble. And then he went out and just gave a very brief statement and ended it by doing the weird four second pause. I, I don't know who is like the real people pulling the strings at conservative central office, but I would say, when it, you know, Truss has done that, Rishi's done that, just go, guys, um, if you're not going to be speaking or offering questions to the floor, maybe just fuck off, yeah? Don't just stand there like somebody just logged you out. <laughs> but, you know, he comes out, he does his speech on uh, on Tuesday, so he goes to meet the king, and the king, uh, immediately you can see the body language of King Charles, he's like, yeah, you know, I like this. <laughs> Liz Truss, he mugged her off straight away, didn't he? Oh dear, oh dear, back again. 
Um, you do get the impression that King Charles as well was the kind of guy that was going, can we not do this on fucking Zoom? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm normally drinking by now. And, and Rishi eventually comes outside number 10 and does his, um, does his little speech. And, and it's a very... It's surprisingly contrite in a way. I mean, it literally said, yeah, we fucked stuff up, you know, the previous... <laughs> I mean, he paid homage to Liz Truss by saying how much she fucked up and then sacking her whole cabinet. What most people think. And, you know, we had this thing again where you get, like, a big announcement outside number 10 and these hilarious people, Steve Bray and his band, are playing, playing these songs and really that joke has worn thin. Far be it from me to cast aspersions on the comic genius of the Stop Brexit guy, but playing Benny Hill, and, and I'm sure this would just make it funnier for people that like it, that someone like me gets annoyed. And I predict a riot. I just, I, you know what? Good, you stand there, you protest, but at moments of great British history, I don't really want to be subjected to the fucking comedic genius of Steve Bray. It's either the Benny Hill tune, the Muppet Show, or I predict a riot. At least change up the playlist, son. Dig a bit deeper, you know, the Google embarrassing, funny sounding songs. And one just last thing before we get into the chat with Matt, uh, which is what I should have called the episodes, I've just realised it. But there was a story that did the rounds. We were talking, I was talking, uh, how many episodes ago was it now? But about the sort of barely concealed media glee around uh, what was happening with the Tories. And there was this newscaster, she was on BBC News, and I think the news that Boris had pulled out broke. And she... Um, there was an argument that she was just expressing excitement that there was breaking news while she was on camera. But I think it seemed quite transparently obvious that she was delighted that Boris had pulled out. Now, as I said, maybe journalists are only human. And, and maybe if you're a political commentator, you can give away some of that. But if you're like an anchor for news, I don't think you should be like fist bumping the guests. <laughs> Essentially what she was doing is like, yes, that is dead bruv. That is Boris dead, man out, waste man, fuck off. But anyway, um, impartiality, yeah. So, look, I felt bad for it. I don't like... I, the whole realm of people getting suspended from their jobs for things they've said or done, I always think it could be handled with a conversation. You don't... But, you know, it just it's just a reminder that people have a political bias. And I don't mind that if your job is to sort of commentate in a way that expresses it. But there are certain roles in media where can you... You know, people need to just at least give us the sense... Of, of, of that they're trying to be impartial, you know, and then Rishi Sunak comes in and you see it from the other side. Are they fully partial, impartial on, on Rishi Sunak? No, because they kind of, he's their kind of guy. And I just, I just don't, I personally, I don't know what I think at the moment, but I think, you know, I haven't done this for a while, but obviously the, the job of the podcast is what do most people think? And I think that most people think that Rishi Sunak will be a significant improvement on Liz Truss. I think that the Liz Truss thing now seems like a, just a bit of an error, really, a historical mistake. They gave the job to the wrong person, essentially. I don't, I didn't disagree with all of her policies, but you know, a conservative party in the long run, you know, you can calm the markets now. The poor old markets. Anybody checked on them? They're all right. Oh, bless. But is that a conservative party going forward, which doesn't have an obvious plan for growth? And forgive me if I've said this before, but it's it's sort of like a cheeseburger without the cheese, isn't it? Or the burger. So. Maybe, you know, Rishi can plot this sensible, fiscally prudent, diet austerity path. But if you want to put some clear blue water between yourself and Labour at the next election, who I suspect will, their offer will be something like the Lib Dem bit of the coalition years. <laughs> Exciting, right? Hey, hey, comrades. I bet all my left wing friends are getting fucking 
pumped up about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna be slightly, slightly to the left of of the current Tories. Fucking, we'll keep the red flag flying. Will it even need? Can you even justify being red given where Starmer's at? I think they might have to have to pick a magenta, maybe. But yeah, at some point, if you. The thing that is appealing to people about the Conservative Party, yes, there's a sound money part, but certainly for working class voters, is the idea that you're going to make a better world and that it won't all be about um, purses tightening. It will be about creating a dynamic economy where people can go out and maybe have one thousandth of the wealth as Rishi fucking Sunak. Okay, so we're going to get into the chat of Matt now. So many different things competing for our attention, not least the news. So it'd be good to chat to Matt about what he thinks about these these draws on our focus and ways that we can improve being more present and in the moment. Okay, so with everything else going on at the moment, with the move into autumn, people having less energy, people, just the news absorbing so much of our bullshit. I feel like it's um, it's the right time to speak to our... I mean, I'm giving him this name, our geezer guru, oh. Matt Marnie. Are oh. you happy with that? I love it, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat to you, my friend. Um, so you're, you obviously, I mean, we've mentioned before when you've been on the podcast a couple of times, you, you're working out there uh, in Dubai. Just Has the political chaos in the UK been reported on there? No, yeah, I'll be honest. Yeah, people are aware of it. Because I, te- I, like, I teach uh, reform classes, right, this morning, six different nationalities yeah. in one room. If a Brit comes in, I'll make a little joke. I'll say, who's the Prime Minister today? And there'll be a bit of banter. But people are aware of it and people are confused. So, you know, one thing that happens when the news is as, as vibrant, shall we say, as now, is it can have a real drag effect on focus and attention. You know, certainly with someone like me, a lot of people that listen to what mm. most people think will be people that want to keep up um, essentially with what's going on, but it can sort of start to dominate. So I was already thinking that, and then we were just WhatsApping the other day, and you you mentioned about the value of focus and attention, and you know, sort of in comparison to, to, to exercise. So why don't you just sort of lead off from there? Yeah, sure. So it's, it's kind of, it's been on my radar for the last couple of years. So I've been going in, teaching stress workshops, you know, the whole meditation, movement-based stuff. What keeps cropping up, in sort of group situations, one-to-one coaching is this, this inability for people to get stuff done. And I kind of recognized it, like during lockdown, people talk about it. It just seems like nobody can focus and concentrate. And so, you know, I mean, statistically, so the stats are there as well. So in 2000, year 2000, we could concentrate for 12 seconds. So not great, but we could focus for 12 seconds. By 2015, that had gone down to eight seconds. Okay. And well, attention- that's like about a third, isn't it? That's yeah, about exactly, thirty percent. And the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. And I think even from twenty fifteen to now, our attention span is has gone. And people might be yeah. listening and thinking, well, you know, what's the issue with that? Well, when you scratch the surface and you delve in, you know, there's stuff like you know productivity. So you know, I, I talk to hmm. HR directors out here, and they're, they're moaning about productivity. So people are not getting stuff done at work. So they're having to take stuff home which means that they're stressed out. They get home, they're not present for their family. That creates stress. They don't fully recover. And it's this kind of vicious cycle. Um, The quality of work's gone down. So Mm. the more mistakes have been made. So I'm I'm obviously doing a lot of work with HR directors. And they're like, Matt, seriously, I've been in this this game 20 years. 
people are not checking emails, you know, they're not checking documents, they're forgetting bookings, and it's kind of like there's this thing going on. And do you know what? No, no, no. I think you're, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that anyone that's just tried to get something done, particularly since the pandemic, and I'd be interested to know whether you think that that has had a drag effect. But just people making fuck ups. I mean, even if it's as simple as just getting getting a burger. Like the amount of time you have to wait for a, for a burger now mate, to regret your life choices. So I mean, people. Dream. I know people who've been mo- moving houses and and just like so, so. What is happening? I mean, there's got to be lots of different things. The one is, I guess, there's a post pandemic effect. There's the effect of of, of social media. What, what yeah. are the causes? Do you think? Well, of, of I, this? yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll go quite happily go into what I think the causes are and give people solutions and stuff to think about. But I would add one more point when it, when you talk about the cost of the lack of focus and tension, it's like being present your friends yeah. and family now this is what comes out of meditation courses like giving your loved ones your kids your attention that's the mm. biggest gift you can give them and i had someone on my podcast uh, a few months ago children's mental health this guy's been at it for years and he was saying fundamentally being present because parents are concerned mm. i want to know if little harry's looking at naughty stuff online he's getting cyber so i've listening to your children but if you can't focus you're staring at your phone at dinner, mm. not picking up on those signals. So, yeah, so I suppose causes of this this crisis that we have, I mean, the elephant in the room, you said it there, phones, you know, they're not mm. phones, are they, Jeff? They're like, you know, they're blocks of crack, cocaine, dopamine blocks mm. in our pockets. So, huge. Yeah, I mean, phone is like, if you compare that to the word, the, what we knew phone meant growing up, which was just a, a way to catch up with family mainly. I like, well, I mean, what were phones used for? Like the the, the the function of them now is, I mean, one of them, obviously. Uh, let's be honest, first and foremost, it has made going for a shit more entertaining. Phones. Well, yeah. Let's give them a little bit of credit. It's so interesting you said it, because one of the stats I was going to throw at you was the fact that the queues for public toilets have gone up. There's longer waiting time. This is what staff are reporting in restaurants. And that's because we're going to curl one out and we're catching up on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. It used to be pick up the, you know, whatever, the, the, the shower gel bottle or the, the toilet paper and have a little read of yeah. that. Read now, the ingredients, aquafenanol, exactly. whatever the fuck it was. My eyesight's so bad now, mate. I really do struggle to look at stuff. So, yes, the phones are, like, they're, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're insidious. And uh, so I think what people need to do is work. They, everyone's like partners, kids, we're all having to go at each other. All of a sudden, you're looking at your phones too much. First thing I would say to your listeners is it's not your fault. So give yourself a bit of self-compassion. It, it I've got that got an emotion. That's what we all want to be told in life, isn't it? Really, you're doing fine. No, no, honestly, mate, it's not. When, honestly, when you look at the attention economy, so the attention economy is worth $7 trillion, right? It's huge. So um, there's two main industries that call their customers users, two. So when you say, sorry, attention economy, so these are the people mm. in the marketplace uh, competing for our attention, right? Exactly, because we are the product. So it's a seven trillion dollar economy. Two main industries that refer to their customers as users: drug dealers and tech companies. Mm. And it's just it just tells you everything, you know. So the average person looks at their phone for three hours a day. Fifty-one percent check their phone a couple of times an hour. Twenty-two percent people check their phone a couple of times a minute, mate. That's one in five people. Yeah, I mean, I the thing when you say stuff like this, and I guess when you talk to businesses and the clients that you work with out there in Dubai, and by the way, check out all of Matt's stuff if you're living out there and you want to hook up and do some work with Matt, is that, yeah, I mean, sometimes it is so fucking compulsive 
the way the way that I do it, and 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 you know, it, there are the, all the hallmarks of of a drug addict behaviour. I mean, I've I've hidden my phone. I've sort of like buried it almost. <laughs> I mean, anything that you're you're considering throwing over a bridge. I mean, everybody's had that thought, right? You're walking over a bridge, you see the water, and you've got your phone. You think I'll throw that in the fucking water. Now, even to have that thought must mean that somewhere in your brain you realise the, the toxic potential of this thing. Mate, I was sitting with Karen a few months ago, and I, I don't know what we were watching on Netflix, but I'm bang into this series, and I remember a silence speech. When we're looking at your phone again, and I got defensive, mate, like an addict. I just mm. looked at Instagram. I was picking it up. I was looking at BBC News. So there's an issue, and I had to address it, mate. I was aware I was going in and talk to clients about this stuff, and yet I'm addicted. So I have a basket that sits in my kitchen, and I have to literally, I walk in, and I throw my phone in the basket, and then I go into the living room, and I sit down, and I'm present with Karen on whatever we're watching on TV. That is how I'm about to do it. If I'm doing work, admin work, I cannot have the phone in the same room. It has to be mm. outside. And that, that's what I mean. I want to know... I, I want to know, when you got defensive with Karen, because I completely identify with that, and I'm sure many people will, what form did the defensiveness take? Did you did you come up with a little lie, a little excuse? What what was the... Uh, I, yeah, it was, well, well, yeah, I've just posted some on Instagram, and like, it's my business. It's for work. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> and this is why Instagram are offering businesses the opportunity. Look, $7 trillion hmm. attention economy. The business model is it's um, surveillance capitalism. So there's a guy called Johan Hari. If anyone wants to read a book and really have their views challenged, and if they've got kids, stolen focus, Johan Hari, he talks about changing the business model. Now, introduce a subscription, £2 a month. Yes, they're going to lose loads of people. Fuck that, I ain't paying for Facebook. But they'll start generating revenue, and then it's got to serve us. At the moment, it's just an algorithm, Jeff. It's just an algorithm that the engineers are not aware of, and it just vies for our attention. This is why we're so potent. Look at our politics, Jeff. Just look back, like 2008, the introduction of infinite scrolling. That was a new thing that got everyone hooked in. You can only go yeah, so yeah. far before. There's, a, there's a, a thing that you use. You use Twitter, don't you? So there's mm. a um, uh, intermittent reinforcement, it's called. It's a psychological concept. So all they do is, let's say you post something on Twitter or Instagram, mm. you might get 100 retweets or likes in the first hour. Oh, no. Instagram won't give them to you in one go. They feed it intermittently through the course of 24 hours. Why? Because they just want you to pick the phone up and stare at the screen. Why? Because the longer you stare at the screen, the more they get in advertising revenue. It's fucking insidious, mate. We, it's one of those things that we all know deep down, like a bad habit, you know. No. It's like me with drinking on Wednesday afternoons <laughs> after COVID. There was a point where I had to go, I probably shouldn't be doing this anymore. You know, yeah. it felt kind of cool and funny and ironic for a while. And then there are points where... I think the real sobering moment for people is if you're going, I am banging to this film. Like, I'm so absorbed in it. I think this is brilliant. And yet I still want to pick up this phone. What for? That's the question I ask myself. What do you think you're going to get out of this, Jeff? What, what's the best top-end outcome? It's not your fault, mate. That's what I always say. It's not your fault. It's called dopamine. They're tapping your dopamine receptors. It's a fucking dopamine. Dopamine drives motivation to do stuff. And it's that whole thing, intermittent um, response feeds every time you go on your phone is something new the algorithm will show you something new so what i say to people is that if you if you think you might have an issue with your phone probably it's a genuine conversation i suppose we have to have try not to look at your phone for the last hour of the day and the first hour in the morning and just mm. see how you feel now if you feel a compulsion to pick your phone up within the first hour of the day last hour uh, of the night 
then you've probably got, there's an actual term, it's called nomophobia. It's a word that we're not familiar with now, but say 10 years time, everyone will have it. So just, mm. just you know, and try and put strategies in place. Like here's, here's one for you. I do it sometimes. It makes me feel weird. Go out for a meal with your missus. She can take her phone. Don't take yours. If we go on holiday, me and Karen, I'll leave my oh, phone. You know, I do that so one. So liberating. I do that one actually, and the weird thing is I don't miss it. That's what the oddest thing about it. Yeah. And then, then, but that's almost a painful thing to realise because you think I'm sacrificing all this time to something that I don't actually enjoy or or need in a way. And you know, as you as you were talking there about like you know, we're talking about essentially as an addiction now. Do you think we'll ever see a point where we all have PA like like phones anonymous, where just people will go? My name's Jeff. I started off with with uh, Samsung flip phone. Honestly, Jeff, I honestly, there's there's Johan Hari, there's Tristan Harris. Tristan Harris used to work with Google. He's a hero of mine, Tristan Harris. He's out there trying to change stuff. He's uh, Humane yeah. Technologies, his company. Look, I'm hoping that at some stage, people are going to get together, parents, whoever, are going to get together and go, look, fucking something needs to be done here. It's, mm. it's wrong. Zuckerberg was up in front of the Senate a few years ago. And I didn't realise until I started delving into this stuff a few years ago, like, I don't like the man anymore. I didn't give a shit at the time. I was like, oh, whatever. And now I realise what's going on. Yeah, it's a problem. I'm hoping something will come out, Jeff. There'll be some paper mm. and then lots of middle-class parents in North London will go, oh, my God, that could, that could ruin Rupert's chances of getting three A stars and getting to Oxbridge. Then there might be a movement and then, you know, the, the media might get behind it. But... I think we know there's an issue, but we have to take responsibility. But I'd always say, I say to your listeners, be it self-compassion to you and your partner. It's not your fault. You're being hacked by thousands of engineers. They're hacking this primitive brain that hasn't caught up. So put strategies in place, turn notifications off. Just you mm. know, give yourself time away from the phone. Or actually like I do, when I want to work, the phone's in a different room. We've been um we've been hard on, on, on phones here, but I think everything you say absolutely stacks up. I'm interested about you know, when you talk about focus and attention, the phenomenon of working from home, because obviously that's a place where th- there are, to, to me at least it seems, that there are far more potential drags on your focus on what you're doing. Mate, it's a nightmare. So companies I work with now, yeah, absolutely. People are working three days at home. So um, so what's issues? Phone is one thing, but phone is just part of the recipe for like, multitasking. That's what it is. Mm. Multitasking does not work. Regardless of what they say, women might do it better than men, but it doesn't work, and all the science suggests it. So people are now at work. You've got the phone on the table that's vying for your attention. You've got multiple tabs open. And it just it just doesn't work, and, and the statistics like suggest this. So if you're texting, answering emails, WhatsApping, and you do that through the course of the day, they found that your IQ drops by 10 points. So if you're in a creative game like you, and all you're doing yeah. is texting, your IQ is dropping. And they say that's the equivalent. 10 points is the equivalent of missing a night's sleep. So having no sleep. You know, one of those nights where it's two o'clock, yeah. I better go up in the morning. No sleep at all. Or mm. being stoned. Being stoned at yeah. work. So that's the equivalent. Texting and being stoned. Um, what else is there? Well, I mean, the other day I did all three anyway, Matt. <laughs> By choice. Stayed up all night, got well, stoned out of my nut, and then just worked, texted all the fucking time. Still smashed it. Exactly. It's the equivalent, Jeff, of doing an admin job. <laughs> Going home at lunchtime, doing two bongs, getting a double whopper meal, and then going back to yeah. work. I mean, who would do such a thing? Who would do that? Exactly. And I'd throw in a massive bag of Haribos. I mean, if you ever want, and I'm not saying Eat that this is us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it was us that did this, but if you ever wanted to basically tell your boss exactly what you're doing, just sit there eating Doritos and Haribo, just being the most exactly. cliched wankers exactly. that have yeah. ever lived. I mean, the thing about working from home is the thing about working from home is that there is a sort of delusion that's kicked in where 
essentially people like it. That's the point, is, is that they feel, they feel that it's better. And, and obviously there are less costs involved with commuting. There's a lot of aspects of going to the office that, that they don't miss. But I would say that in terms of productivity, any day where you can start off and go, yeah, I've got a whole day's work from home. I'm going to walk the dogs, get a haircut, go to karate, go to the fucking post office. Do you know what I mean? Uh, go for a run. I'd say, are you, is this really as productive as being in the office? And like you say, fair enough, all those things like feel like things that you're doing for you, but they all create more pressure on each other time-wise. Whereas if you're at the office, you go, there's only one reason that I'm here. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, what I say to corporates I work with is, work smarter, right? So you've heard of circadian rhythms, 24-hour cycles that our bodies go through. There's something yeah. called ultradian rhythms. So again, this is all backed in science. So we can mm. only deep work or focus for 90 minutes to an hour and a half. 90, yeah, 60 to 90 minutes is when we can be on. Then we have to take a break. It's a bit like um, when you train in the gym, you do a set and then you'll have a minute's mm. rest before you go again. So try and work smart. So work in blocks. That's how I work now. I'll, I'll go in the back room and I will commit to one task and I'll say, I'm not going to try and do a million and one things. I'm giving this one task 60 minutes of my attention. The phone is in the other room. I've got no internet connection and I'm focusing on that task. I then come away and I have a 20 minute downtime. That doesn't mean staring at my phone because that's cognitive load. That means just chilling out, talking to family, doing whatever. Work in those blocks and it will blow your mind how much work you can get done. Deep is this the is this the Matt Marnie Giza Guru 6020 plan? Just you know, thinking about marketing. Could be, mate, could be my niche, couldn't it? Yeah, the 6020 rule, mate. 6020, 60, 60 yeah, the, on the 6020. 60, yeah, 60 on, 20 off. And the 20 off doesn't mean going upstairs and knocking one out because no one's in. That's not what it means. That 20 minutes off. It's just chilling. See what you do to me, Jeff. I, I was doing well then, and then I reverted to South London because you mentioned me being a geezer. And then oh no, but I was going to say twenty minutes to knock one out. I mean, I don't know what kind of sort of self romance you're doing there. You're making having dinner with yourself. No, 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 no. Wank, wank, Jeff. This is good cognitively. Stop looking at stuff if you want to enhance your cognitive function. It's something that we've lost over the years. The wank bank was was pretty impressive. It was good for the hippocampus. Use memory and cognition. Try and use the wank bank, and it might last twenty minutes. So the Matt Marnie, Giza Guru, Wank Bank principle. So I think the 60-20 would be your first book, you know what I mean, where you're on the front looking all businessy, and then yeah. this would be the difficult, well, difficult follow-up, where you go on this morning <laughs> and you slightly regret it when Holly and Phil start like digging beneath oh, the surface. Man. The Wank Bank, that's an, that's an e-book that gets bundled in as part of the offering. So it's, it's yeah, <laughs> you get the e-book yeah. with it, yeah. But um, going it. back, in all seriousness, that all trading rhythms, anyone so that's what I would suggest people, working from home, get rid of distractions, Turn think of mm. pick one task, and if you want to read a book that's really going to help you, just read the one thing. It's a book called The One Thing that will blow your mind. Focus for sixty minutes, twenty minutes off, no masturbation, just like you know, chill out and watch. Fucking, you've become such a hippie <laughs> since you've gone to Dubai. No masturbation. I mean, what has happened? Um, now I've got female listeners. Who, it goes both whom, ways. That goes both ways. But I, but no, but I mean, you said something that was potentially very controversial to women right. earlier. You said multitasking is a myth. How offensive, how triggered no, no, are women I did, feeling? Because... I, I did say that I was, I did say that I'm not mm. saying women don't do it better than men and there is an evolutionary focus to that. If you think back from evolutionary times, me and you would go out and hunt a, a wild, dangerous animal. We need to be laser focused. Well, you would. Or... Let's be honest. I'd, I'd keep you company. No, you'd come out, mate. <laughs> I, I saw, well, I'd come. You, you I'd come. Take, I wouldn't be the one. You can take a dig. I'll see you take... You know, that headbutt that night in Clapham and the other geezers I split open. So you've got a large, tough cranium. So if an animal attacked us, I could throw you in front of me, put that 
that nut in front of it and Happy my days. big head could take a hit and then you've got a good arm and then you could yeah. just I could be the distraction and then you just take it out with a rock. Okay, just uh, <clears throat> chipping in really briefly here. Um, Lauren Harris, thank you very much for your kind gift on Patreon. Uh, we've got some new patrons to read out. Vicky Huddle. What a great name that is. Vicky Huddle. We're having the huddles. I mean, till, please tell me you do a family huddle. Everyone, every listener would be so disappointed. Family huddle! Hey! And then anyone that's dating somebody in the family doesn't know whether to join in. Oh, me, I'm, I'm, not you, not you, not yet. You've only been dating her three months. Hey, you haven't, he hasn't proposed yet. You've got to propose to get in the huddle. So welcome, uh, Vicky Huddle. And uh, we've also got here, we've got James Hawthorne, who's a returner. James, I don't know what's going on with your account, mate, but you seem to be signing up every other week. But thank you for persevering through the fog of the Patreon payment system. We've got Matthew Price. I think Matthew is is another returner. So I always say, as we come into the end of the month, with some significant Patreon benefits coming up next year, remember there's the uh, Jeff Norcott Friends gig, 25th of January at the Backyard Comedy Club, uh, then Thursday the 2nd of March uh, in Leeds, and that'll be uh, guaranteed access for all board members and VIPs, and then there'll be plenty of tickets available for the other tiers um, as well. So, yes, what else? What else I've got to push? Nothing. Fuck it. Let's just make it weird. I'll just say thank you to the patrons and let's get back to the chat with the brilliant Matt Marnie. Well, actually, I've got a couple of tips for you, Jeff. So, as well as all trading rhythms, we've got attention restoration theory, which just basically means get away from your desk. So that's for people who work in offices, and I work with them. Estate agents are a nightmare. They sit at their desk, and they eat their sandwich at their desk, and they don't get away. Get away and go for a 20-minute walk. Get outside in nature if you can. It's going to improve your attention and focus. Mind-wandering and solitude, Jeff. So when I say the word solitude, people think, oh, that, that means being alone and being, being scared. No, solitude means being left with your own thoughts. So... If you're anything like me, when I go out for a walk now, I get my steps, I'll bang a podcast in. I'm always consuming yeah, information, yeah. never bored. Mind wandering or solitude allows you to go into the default mode network. So, and actually, this is a really useful tip for people who work in the office. So when you leave the office, get in your car and commute, try to just have no input coming in. So no podcast, no nothing. Actually just be left with your own thoughts. It's a bit weird, turn your radio off in the car, but what that does is it allows you to consolidate what's been going on at work that day, mm. create solutions, think about the day ahead. So when you walk through the door at the end of the evening, you're able to be present with your family. You're not listening to a podcast, then get out, then start thinking about what Charles said at that lunchtime meeting and then try and plan and prep. So. Um, so there's there's mind wandering, there's solitude, they're good tips. Um, if you want to improve your attention, stare at the end of a pen. That's another little training tip you can do. You just get a pen, literally, do it a couple of times a day, stare at the end of the pen for five to ten seconds. That's going to improve those neurons in the prefrontal cortex. Take I mean, that is another way of looking stoned in the office, though, I would say. 100%. 100%. Matt, he's been staring um, at a pen yeah. for 20 what minutes. What is wrong with him? Yeah. He went back with Jeff and did a bong at lunchtime. Look at him. Um, and uh, then- just Can you come and have a chat with HR, Matt? There's this whole staring at a pen thing. It's making some of the women uncomfortable. And still eating Haribo. Um, cold showers. <laughs> so if you're working from... This is one for the boys working from home. Rather than going upstairs and knocking one out, all the women going upstairs and knocking one out. Um, cold shower. That's a stressor. And then the last one, to improve focus and tension, is listen to 40 hertz binaural beats. 
Now, I actually do this regularly. 40 hertz binaural beats. Would you like to hear 40 hertz binaural beats? Well, let's have a go. See how it sounds over the, yeah, yeah, over the Zoom. Let me, let, me, let me just play it for you. Can you hear that? Yeah, I heard. I heard a noise. I mean, there are a couple of German techno DJs that. That's, no, that break. is. So, so people are thinking, what is that? You can get binaural beats with with classical music in the background, but this is literally a gamma frequency, and I'll do. I'll kind of do a meditation. I'll turn it off because that's irritating. It sounds like a Dalek. Um, but yeah, forty hertz binaural beats. Download them on YouTube. If you're going to do a sustained period of work and you're going to get your head down, do your trading rhythms. You're going to do sixty or ninety on, twenty off. Yeah, yeah. Five minutes of that binaural beats, crack on, off you go. Binu how are we spelling binaural? Because the thing is yeah, with a podcast yeah. is that there will be people that will yeah, go, I'm going to give this a go. So how do we spell it? B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L. Binaural. I mean, that does sound like a modern sexuality, though, as well. I'm binaural. I'm binaural. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, it's kind of thing. I'm part of the plus. I'm one yeah. of the pluses. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, I mean, it's quite a... A sort of bleak picture. That, I mean, you're obviously very positive all, all the steps, but one of the difficult things is, and this is the problem, and this is where you're so good, you know, you make changes in your life. Yeah. The average person, of which I am one, finds it really hard. You get to 45, it's just like turning an oil tanker around. And and I also think, and you must come up against this, is sometimes the process of making change involves admitting what was wrong. And that's hard, isn't it? Because you kind of go... How many years have I been like this? How not present have I been? And I think some people go, well, I'd rather carry on like this than face the impact of my actions. Well, I know it's interesting because I, like people do say to me, it's all right for you, Matt. You, you, you don't mind doing this stuff. And it's true. I mean, I do go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. I mean, we could ramble on about sleep is so valuable. But look, mm. I, get, I do get stick. I get stick from my pals because I go to bed at 10, but I'm up at 5.30 in the morning. Let me leave you with uh, one of my favourite quotes, an Indian philosopher... Mm called Krishnamurti, right? So Krishna says, it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. I drop the mic, I walk off, and I leave them. Boom, there it was. The geezer guru, Matt Marnie, author of the 60-20 plan and the wank bank theorem. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but like I say, listen, Matt, you know, obviously you're out there, you're operating in, in the online world, you're operating with corporates, companies, yes. individuals. So first up, where should people find okay, you online? Okay. So they should find me, Instagram is where I'm posting daily, I'm posting all this stuff, loads of different bits. Wellness Education Dubai, it's actually wellness underscore education, underscore Dubai. And underscore, underscore's a bollock cake, isn't it? I always yeah, so think. Yeah, on my nerves, mate. Uh, info at Wellness Education Dubai. In, uh, Wellness Education Dubai is the website. I go into companies. I still do one-to-one -one stuff. My spots are limited. There's a wait list if you want to work with me online. I do the physical stuff, movement-based, mindset stuff, all that mm. malarkey. I am hoping to transfer a lot of face-to-face -face courses that I teach uh, online. So there's a bit of demand. So I'm currently working on that. It's taking fucking ages, mate, in front of the camera, mm. delivering all this stuff. So there'll be online options. There is online options for, for corporates as well. I've delivered stress workshops, meditation yeah. courses on Zoom. It can work. And of course, if you want regular free information, the Matt Marley Fitness Show, my podcast, which has go. 69 episodes on it. This week's episode was all about back pain. The week before that was on this topic, folks, and attention. Mate, it's literally, it's just... Well, I'd say, I'd say given the average age of blokes that listen to my podcast, I think they'll probably start with the back pain episode. There's all sorts. Then go, of, there's all sorts. Then go through the making noises <laughs> when you sit down 
episode and, and so on. And, I mean, I'm not this... even doing an episode on the Wank Bank. You've just inspired me now. It'll be a short 20-minute punchy episode about the value of Littlewood's catalogue and stuff like that. You know, the old school ways, old the school, lingerie section, and, and sometimes the camping section for the for the connoisseurs. Exactly, exactly. Well, listen, uh, Matt Marnie, thanks so much. I mean, it's just so, I think people always get something out of hearing what you're saying, but just from a person who just sounds like a, a regular bloke who doesn't have a double-barreled name. Matt Marnie, thanks so much for coming back on What Most People Think. My pleasure, sir. Okay, so that was the chat with Matt Marnie. Always so useful, right? Always. I have loads of people. Every time Matt's on, I have loads of people coming back to me uh, saying that it gave him a little kick up the arse. So do, you know, look at what Matt does. Uh, follow all his social media. And, uh, you know, if you're out in Dubai and you've got a company and there's a little bit of corporate action, just send it my boy's way, yeah? You get me? I don't, I don't get to speak like that. I do not get to speak like that. Okay, we've got one letter here. And this is a Dean from Tring. Just sounds like a. I don't know why a tring sounds like the kind of place that a referee would come from. Do you remember they used to tell you where the referees are from? That was before they started getting death threats. Now, <laughs> now they don't tell you that. This is uh, assumed name <laughs> from undisclosed location. Uh, this is Dean from Tring, and we haven't done one of these for a while. It's a hypothetical political fight, and Dean asks who would win in a fight between Rishi Sunak and Penny Morden. So this was obviously sent a bit when it looked like it might be a runoff between the membership, but I think it's worth giving it consideration. Tricky, isn't it? Man versus woman. Five foot six man versus, I don't know how tall Penny Morden is. I think <laughs> this gets dodgy in terms of how you discuss it. I, I think I'm going to say, like, okay, a big factor to bring to bear here. Penny's from Portsmouth. Oh, Portsmouth Penny. Yeah, Portsmouth Penny. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a sort of old-fashioned gang member. Portsmouth Penny turned up with a switchblade. She cut him a new smile. You know one of those shitty, like, late-era Guy Ritchie films? Portsmouth Penny had her feel. She got right stuck in. When it came down to it, she was one of the lads. But she could drink as well. Um, so Portsmouth Penny, I think, would, would take it. I just think Rishi Sunak is the kind of guy that knows he can't fight. That's what I get the impression. You know you have one of those lads at school where he's just like, I w- wouldn't even front, you know what I mean? Like, if the hardest kid in the school... Went to punt, he'd just run. <laughs> Richie would just run and not stop running. He'd find this new guy, he's like, he'd shit off a shovel actually, like faster than you expect. I don't think he would fight. But I mean, if you mean in a context where he's put in a ring and actually had to fight, I don't know, he, keep, he keeps in shape. I, I, just think, I just think Penny would eventually dominate him. And she'd, uh, she, Penny looks, I mean, she's, she's a working class girl, but she looks like another one that knows how to go for the shins with a hockey stick. Um, <laughs> So that's what would happen. One of her dodgy Portsmouth mates, the fight would be kind of, you know, it would be going nowhere and then out of nowhere, someone lobs in a hockey stick. Portsmouth Penny goes in with a hockey stick. Uh, Disqualification after five rounds. Okay, that is it for this week's What Most People Think in another, I mean, just, could we just not have a prime minister, a new prime minister or a new monarch or anything like that? Because I feel like there's other stuff to discuss. Does anybody else feel like that? think there must be other news right there must be other news like we're going to emerge from all this shit about the Tories and just find out that the Isle of Wight was taken over by you know some extraterrestrial species or we'll just find out that the Hadron Collider has opened up a portal to another dimension and uh, China are using it for (laughs) China are using it for like valuable natural resources we'll find out that Thailand's gone all right yeah we can't invade Taiwan Uh, we've invaded a metaverse you pricks (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, listen, uh, look forward to speaking to you again next week. This has been what most people... I've never ended the podcast like this. What's going on? Look, have a good week. Bye. Bye.